Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What is happening? Welcome to a very special 48 minutes. Presented by 48 Minutes Network. Uh, I am here with my better half, as always, Ben Brown. Thank you for the compliment, my man. What's going on? Not too much, man. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun one today. Absolutely. We, uh, we're, we're talking Phoenix Suns, and we are here with a friend of the show, Grant Afseth. Grant, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, before we get started, why don't you go ahead and uh, just kind of tell us a quick, quick little uh, thing about you, um, who you write for, and where we can find you. Well, you can find me on on Twitter. My username is my full name, Grant A F S E T H, and uh, I'm an NBA writer for NBA Analysis Network. It's a new website. Uh, me and uh, Evan Massey started. I uh, focus on the Phoenix Suns and the Indiana Pacers, and I'm also a Pacers columnist for the Kokomo Tribune. Okay, okay. Uh, Ben's Ben's our resident Pacers fan, so uh, yes, sir. Sure. Uh, that was that was my first connection. I was like, man, you know, he's he's a, a Pacers guy. You know, he's got to be good for the call. So uh, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you uh, could get on and, and uh, talk a little Phoenix Suns with us, man. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So, how how'd you get into the to the Suns? Well, I'm actually a a, a college student at Arizona State University, oh, and cool, I man. thought since I'm going to be out here and uh, watching a lot of Suns games and stuff yeah. like that, I thought might as well just start writing about them. Okay, I lived in Tucson there for a minute. It's a it's a cool area up by Phoenix and Tempe and Chan- just all those cities are kind of like right next to each other. It's a cool area. Definitely. It's just like a, a ten minute light rail ride and then you're at the arena and yeah. so might as well might as well write about it. Absolutely, man. Well, uh we will we'll go ahead and get right into it. Talking about the Phoenix Suns. Uh they've had uh a pretty interesting off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, Suns were one of my favorite teams right now. He's definitely uh, rocking a Phoenix Sun Adidas shirt right now. <laughs> I do I do <laughs> have one on. Um I guess we'll start with the draft. Um, they took, they took uh, DeAndre DeAndre Aiden number one. What were your what were your thoughts there? Well, I think uh, I think Aiden will be a, a pretty good player in the NBA. I do think um, personally, I probably would have favored going with the wing player like uh, Luka Doncic, but because um, you know if you look ahead a little bit, they could have thrown money at a guy like Clint Capella or even next summer, uh, you know, a Pacer Miles Turner. We, we, and uh, been saying that you know, made pod. it quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I thought that would have been a pretty interesting uh, uh, team if you get like wing players like that around uh, with Devin Booker and then a, a stretch five and rim protector like Miles Turner. That'd be a pretty interesting team. Yeah, I was I was thinking that last week. I was like, why isn't anybody? Why did not anybody go after Clint Capella? I didn't understand that. And looking at the Suns roster, you know, they drafted Aiden, but I'm like. Capella would have fit there perfect. Then you said Miles Turner, which would have been another great fit for them. 
Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, um, Aiton will be a, a fine player. I think it might be a little tough early on because he has a lot of work to do in terms of his uh, decision-making on defense and all that good stuff. And probably getting an adjustment as a role man at the NBA level too because he didn't do that all that well and his screen setting isn't very good. So it could be – I think he could overall be a pretty good player if, you know, the right staff is – is there developing him? But I think the expectations should be, you know, qu- not quite as high as probably with some, uh, you know, resident uh, Arizona Wildcats <laughs> fans slash Suns fans are probably, you know, hoping for. Yeah, and it seems like the the pick and roll is going to be a huge part of his game. Um, so I mean, that's that's something he'll kind of have to master running with Devin Booker and uh, and I I don't know too much about their new coach Igor Kokoshkov. Uh, am I is the pronunciation correct? Mm-hmm. Kashkov. I th- I think that's probably what okay. it is. I, I haven't gotten a chance yet. But yeah. so, <laughs> so I don't right. I don't know too much about him. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I don't watch too much European basketball. Um, but you know, I, I hear it's a lot of pick and roll. So I would assume that that's going to be a big part of Aiton's game. Um, and then and then of course they had um, the ever exciting trade. Uh, which we were super shocked. We thought that the feel-good story of the draft was uh, Mikael Bridges going to the Sixers. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of like a a storybook thing with his mom there and everything. Um, And honestly, Mikael Bridges was one of the people I was like the highest on in the draft. I really loved him. Um, What are your, what are your thoughts on getting Bridges? Yeah, I, I I really like Mikael Bridges' game too. I think, uh, I think that was a, a good move if they if they handle it properly because they have quite a bit of a uh, of wings going on right now. I know they're <laughs> going to try to use uh, Trevor Reza at a, as like a small ball power forward because their power forward situation without you know if you take Ariza away is probably one of the absolute worst in oh, the man. NBA. I, like yeah, like Marquise Chris has not you know come along as what probably is nearly as what they would hoped, and he doesn't fit that modern uh, floor spacing role that you need alongside an interior guy like Aiton and uh, Bender you know I, he doesn't I don't think he uh, he can really uh, move well enough on defense to be a modern four and his offensive game you know it's not necessarily what you probably I mean he could maybe develop into like a spot up guy but it's not really coming along yeah. as probably what they would hope to so I think um, you know I think it could be a very good uh, pickup for them because anytime you can get a 3 and D wing player you definitely want to take it I, I just hope like they don't neglect his skill set if, if that makes sense yeah absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a few things there um i mean getting getting a reason and having him play the four uh i like getting a reason and i hate the sun's fours right now but a reason i think i think a reason only played like five percent of his his uh yeah his whatever yeah time his rotation yeah his rotation last year before, yeah uh, and i know it's positionless basketball more and more and more um but I don't know. They still track it for a reason. I think um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they make all those wings fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is what is the ideal lineup with all the wings? Well, I kind of I'm thinking if you uh, that's a tough one because you have um, you, you still have let's see here you got Ariza you have Bridges and then uh, you also have um, I'm drawing a Jackson. blank. Yeah, you got Jackson. 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 
Yeah, and then Bender, you got another Chris Warren, TJ Warren. Yeah, Warren, Warren. Yeah, that's that's the name I was looking for. TJ Warren. Yeah, it's kind of it's tricky because he's not a, a legitimately good jump shooter, and that's right. that's really tough mm-hmm. to formulate a long term lineup. But you also that point guard spot makes it tricky too because you need playmaking from other areas. Right. And because uh, I, I don't really trust I don't trust the playmaking abilities of Brandon Knight. To me, he seems more like a player that can put up, you know, like those basic numbers on a bad team, but it's yeah. not really a true substance. Right. And, yeah, so, you know, if you have that point guard situation, I like Elia Kobo too, but he's not going to be ready year one or year two yeah, probably. Right. So, yeah, so you might want to go with uh, TJ Warren, like, early on, but yeah. then it gets tricky because you have to put – um, Ariza at the four because right. you don't. I don't think Josh Jackson. I don't know if he's big no, enough yet. Like, I yeah, like I no, so. I don't think he is either. But like, yeah, it's just it's just tough whenever you uh you think about it too because it's like you don't want to have both of your you know highly drafted recent um, wing wing picks coming off the bench on a team that's going to finish four, probably fourteen thirteen <laughs> in the Western <laughs> Conference. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's right. really really think about that and then yeah because you can't really peg any of them at the four right. and uh, you don't want to have them come off the bench so i guess which sucks, with that cause, come, yeah i mean you had you had that draft in 2016 where you take chris and bender right. both you take bender four and chris eight mm-hmm. and and even tyler you was 34 and i mean that is that is oh for three yeah i mean really maybe you have something in marquis chris maybe uh but Dragon Bender, do you think do you think Bender is in the league in two years? Uh that's a tough one. I, <laughs> he might be one of those guys who uh, you you could say he's in the league, but yeah. he's not actually playing. And sure. teams, you know, it's kind of like one of those uh, those things where it's like uh, you get a guy who is taken so high, and then he goes team to team, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, we're excited." You know, at the presser, they're like, "Oh, yeah. we're excited," because mm-hmm. he, we feel like this could be the spot that he could, uh, you know, take that next step and become right. a rotation player. And then, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really work out that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wanted to speak a little bit about Devin Booker, um, his gro- growth and progression. Uh, they just made him a four-year, one hundred fifty-eight million dollar man. Um, Looking at their roster currently, what we just talked about, I mean, what are they, any other moves, I mean, cap space-wise, they can do to kind of get him some help here in the future? Because he's, without a doubt, you know, going to be their star. He's one of the young faces of the league. What are, what are they planning on doing to put him uh, with some better players? I think what you really need to do is get a legitimate point guard. Or, um, yeah. or you have mm-hmm. to commit to developing his his facilitation ability, like a like a James Harden has done in, in Houston, because it gets tricky. Because uh, you know, I was I, in a recent article I wrote, um, uh, Devin Booker was the least efficient against defensive commitments as a passer in the pick and roll among high volume uh, passers, and also in isolation. Oof. But you know, it's kind of not fair. To necessarily pin all that on him, because when you really watch his his film, it's it, oh gosh, it's a lot of rough, uh, hard double team type stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, because he had, he had the the Suns were the thirtieth ranked spot up um, you know, offensive team, like like they're you know they just didn't have the personnel to space the floor. So I guess it's not necessarily fully fair to say that mm-hmm. that it's his fault, you know, entirely. But like I guess maybe this year since it doesn't really look like they're going to make a move this late in the summer right. for a point guard, 
which you, you know I probably would try, but not give up you know too many assets. A guy like you know even if it's like, I think he's kind of underrated passer, so it might help. A guy like Patrick Beverly, right? Um, yeah. to, you know to kind of sure up that defense would help. But I think overall, like it's kind of like a a double edged sword. When you when you think about what you want to do long term, because you want to simplify the game for Devin Booker, mm-hmm. so he can you know be more of a spot up shooter, come off screens, because he he does those types of things very well. It's just that he's he, the Suns can't afford to allow him to do it a whole lot. So I probably would still, regardless, favor getting a point guard, maybe a guy like Jeff Teague, even you know next summer. He's he's an underrated facilitator as well. So I, I kind of think that next step will probably be this year. Let Devin Booker be a focus with wing players around him because of the weak point guard situation and let him kind of have a neutral floor space situation where he can play through his uh his development as a passer because yeah. the you know defensive philosophy is going to have to be more honest when you have guys like uh bridges out there and uh you know trevor reza at the four so i guess that's kind of kind of my thoughts on that yeah and I think they could even move a guy like Ariza, uh, you know, at the trade deadline, honestly, mm-hmm. on a one-year expiring contract. Uh, a team that's really, really looking to make a push might want to add him and, and dump a contract, too. And um, So I think that they might be, you know, maybe you can get a, a playmaker in a trade like that or something. Um, so I think there's some things. Mm-hmm. When looking for a point guard, would you prioritize playmaking or defense first for this well, team? Uh- I actually um, I was thinking about this quite a bit. I wrote a recent article about uh, some point guards that they should consider trading for, and uh, I do think um, since they're probably not going to be a good team this year, mm-hmm. I probably would favor facilitation over defense okay. because it, it's going to be very important for DeAndre Ayton as well to have a proficient like uh, point guard for uh, pick and roll ball handling purposes. So I, I do think that. Um, yeah, like there's just so many uh, aspects to the team that like would really benefit from having more of a facilitator. Like Mikhail Bridges and Trevor Reza, mostly spot up guys, for sure are gonna yeah. you know re- really require it. So you know it's kind of tough because it's not easy finding well rounded uh, guys, um, you know, on both ends of the floor that you know can defend very well, be a sufficient spot-up shooter while also being a legitimate facilitator. But mm-hmm. if I had to pick, I probably would go with uh, you know, more of the offensive end of the floor to, to simplify the game for Devin Booker especially. Yeah, I just, I just know that you usually can't find, you know, there's, there's not a huge pool of people out there that are both like a great playmaker and really good facilitator, you know what I mean? That it's a Definitely. it's a pretty small pool, so you kind of have to at least favor one. Yeah. As, as a Pistons fan, I mean, when I think like, oh, you want a playmaker, take Reggie Jackson. But like, oh, if, you want, <laughs> if you want defense, sorry, man, I can't help you. So uh, you do kind of have to prioritize there. Uh, so Zach Lowe came out and said uh, that he thinks there's a very chan- a very small chance Brandon Knight is the starting point guard for the Suns in 2018. Uh, this really shocked me looking at their depth chart because, yeah. man, who who else could it be with Tyler Ulis gone? Um, I mean, it seems like Brandon Knight's the only guy. Do you think that Elliot Kobo gets gets some playing time? Gets a good amount of playing time this year? Well, uh, I think he will get playing time for sure because he'll be that. You know, I'm thinking he's going to be the second point guard. Yeah. Um, and I think 
well, let's face it too. Brandon Knight, he's he's not the most durable guy either. So right, there's yeah. you know, for all we know, he could have another you know, unfortunately have another injury. I was gonna say he's, some, he's coming uh, off an ACL right now, isn't he? Yeah, he is exactly, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's not the the easiest of things, I guess. But um, you they know, when you also Bledsoe, take a look, man. yeah, oh, they they, they definitely <laughs> they did. did. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that that was rough. Um, <laughs> um, I think the other option could be, I guess, slide Devin Booker over a spot, and I then like maybe it. try to try to peg in a, a guy like Josh Jackson at the two or something like that. Yeah, well, you mentioned that with Harden. You know, before they had Chris Paul, I mean, that's kind of what they had to do with Harden, where they had to move him over, and he had to be point guard slash scorer. Now, you know, that's that's something they could do because Devin Booker is definitely a guy that. Uh, can do that for sure yeah I think so too I think it might be pretty rough early on but you know with his passing ability unless he shows strides and uh, I mean if he's going to be the majority um, like playmaker for the unit anyways you might as well at least give it a try and see how he can do kind of orchestrating their offense a bit and I mean it's worth the experience too because even if it's a temporary thing for one year it would definitely not hurt him to at least become you know take on more of that role to kind of you know sharpen his you know his skill set overall. So I think at least maybe even for a year until you can do like a poor man's version of Houston and maybe get like a, a point guard, some, mm-hmm. you know, like a, maybe that could work. Slide him back over and he kind of develop a little bit more of those skills and is one of the better two guards at that. And when when it's all said and done, yeah. If you told me that you know if you told me a couple years ago that James Harden would lead the league in assists. You know what I mean, or like, like be one of the well, yeah, <laughs> have, have one of the higher assist totals. Uh, I would have told you you're crazy. You know what I mean? But he was just kind of a a scorer or a shooter that he needed a big a good playmaker, and and I think having a playmaker definitely helps him. But I I do think that he's also been successful kind of in that role as a one, and uh, it'd be interesting to see if Booker could do that. Yeah, I agree with that. So. Uh, Going going back to uh, to some of the draft picks, um, where do you uh, where do you see the playing time between uh, Josh Jackson and Mikael Bridges? Because I see them as, as somewhat similar, not not so much in play style, but um, kind of their role in the team. I guess um, where do you where do you see them as far as play style? Yeah, that's kind of a, a tricky one, I guess, in a way, because you know something you know we were talking about earlier with uh, with um, T.J. Warren kind of being in the in the mix there at the three that that really kind of jumbles up their uh, you know their options there with distributing minutes. So I kind of wonder if at some point he'll get moved. Um, I, I think it makes sense because you have so many wing players there. Not, but if if we're gonna Trade. keep him in the mix. He, yeah, I think trade oh, wow. uh, trade Warren probably. Okay. I think. Wow. Yeah. Because hmm. okay. I I honestly think that like if you're gonna build a unit, you probably want a you know more proficient defenders overall around Booker too. Because Warren's not really like a I, I don't know like his his perimeter shooting is definitely not there, and I don't think it's ever going to be there. And then he's not like the best of defensive players either. So I kind of feel like uh, Mikhail Bridges long-term kind of fits that mold of what you would want as a three next to to Devin Booker. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a tricky thing. But if we're going to not exclude um, Warren 
from there. I think uh, I think they'll get heavy minutes off the bench for sure because Ariza will be at the at the four okay. for a, lo- a large portion of his minutes, I would imagine. And then I guess the other variable you have to take into consideration is Booker. How many minutes is he going to play at the one? Because if he slides over even like ten minutes, then that opens up a lot of playing time for uh, Jackson mm-hmm. or Bridges. So I I kind of feel like those are the two variables we should probably um, keep an eye out. But I think they'll definitely find a way. It might be ugly with some of the lineups that they choose and the spots that they play at times. But I think they'll definitely get their minutes. So, like my my, t- if I were to make a two K team, like a two K lineup, okay, with the Suns right now, I would definitely have Booker at the one. I would go ahead and put Bridges at the two. I would put Jackson at the three, Ariza at the four, and Aiton at the five. And I would have a lot of fun with that team. Um, if I was trying to win games, it would probably look different in the NBA. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I, it's a lot of fun pieces, I think, um, with the young guys. And I, I'm very interested interested to see how much they invest into this group um, as far as like really trying to give them as much playing time as possible and, and seeing with this young core how it's going to work out. Because they are so, all so young. Yeah, um, there's just really not too many vets on the team. Um, Chandler, right? Chandler, Tyson Chandler. Yeah, yeah he's Chandler and Ariza. I think. And him and yeah, him and Ariza are probably the two. Yeah, because moving Dudley really uh, changed changed one of their uh, their few veterans on that roster too. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Um, I guess it's kind of tough, uh, you know, to speak from the outside, but I, I think it's good to have as many um, positive locker room. Um, you know, leaders as you can, because you know, as a uh, following the Pacers closely last year, that was pretty important for them. Absolutely. Guys like uh, Al Jefferson mm-hmm. and uh, Thad Young, and uh, you know, having just more more of those mature, um, you know, adults in the room to kind of put people in their place. Also, David West is a perfect example of that. Whenever uh, they were a uh, Eastern Conference Finals yeah, contender, Richard Jefferson, he did a lot Jack. of babysitting. Yeah, that definitely. And I think uh, Jared Dudley is, you know, probably a, a perfect fit for that type of a role. And also, let's face it too, their power forward situation is really ugly. So it wouldn't hurt to have someone who can just kind of spread the floor whenever you need a few minutes out there and and you're not getting the like cuz if you think about it, what if Ariza doesn't do all that well at the four? I know it's not going to have that many implications overall for their like their playoff hopes because I don't really think they're <laughs> our playoff hopes no. in the Western Conference. <laughs> but like, but uh, it wouldn't hurt to have another guy out there like Dudley um, to you know to to spread the floor if, if in case you didn't want to have Ariza at the four like for exclusively all of his minutes. Yeah, uh, I I wrote an article earlier. Um, about a month or two ago, and uh, I was just talking about kind of the bottom of the NBA, and uh, and I had a lot of fun just uh, focusing on the Suns in that article. Uh, I had them, and this was before Ariza uh, joined the team, I had them at 33 wins um, this year. Uh, Where are you at for how many wins they have? And what what was the, was the Vegas? 27. Vegas had them at 27? I think so. I was hiring that. I was real hot on them. Where do you ha- where do you have them for next year? Well, I think I probably have them um, a few wins below that because 
LeBron going to the the Pacific Division definitely doesn't help this their win total. Before that, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually affects things. Yes, yeah, you know he's kind of good at basketball, so it may. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait. <laughs> Probably Lance Stevenson. That'll be the real factor there. But uh, <laughs> you never count out. Never count out Lance, baby. Never count out Lance. <laughs> I think uh, overall they're probably looking at. Oh yeah, they're not going to like. Some, some fans are not going to like it, but under thirty wins uh, for sure. Probably in my mind. Okay. I think. Uh, I think if you have a perfectly healthy season and everyone just straight up knows what they're doing from the very beginning, you could maybe shoot for 30. But I'm, I'm just not seeing – I'm not seeing a uh, overachieving year from them uh, because uh, I, I think Aiton's going to take some time to develop, and that's a huge component of what they're going to do. We don't know how is going to do at the four in terms of winning basketball games. I mean, in theory, offensively, it's, it's perfect. But how will he do physically holding up against those – those types of uh, those players, because I know that's something that I uh, I uh, kind of saw with Paul George during his Pacers days mm-hmm. when he didn't want to play the four, and uh, I think Paul George is more built than Trevor Ariza. So I know, I mean, if that's a complaint for Paul George, then uh, it might be a complaint for Trevor Ariza. But you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. There's just a lot of factors too, because you know that point guard spot is you know we've been talking about. That's not a not a very attractive situation right there either. So it might be tough to field positive lineups throughout games or even to start games in general. <laughs> you said you think that Aiton's going to take a while to develop. Um, do you do you see him as a – what kind of stat line do you think he'll end with this year? Well, I think he'll uh, – I think he'll get the opportunities, and I think he'll get a lot of rebounds. Um, I, I think it's he's one of those players that I think that will put up the volume numbers, but it'll take time for him to do the things that don't show up in the box score, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. So right. I think close to like, I guess it depends on how many minutes he's going to play. But since the Suns are, you know, the Suns, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of minutes, and I'm sure he'll get. Uh, I'll probably say double digit rebounds, and uh, in terms of points, um, I'll pro- I think he'll average. Because hmm. I know Anthony Davis was uh, as a rookie, he didn't average a ton of points either. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess uh, they were busting out the Anthony I Davis. Know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to the absolute height height yeah. of a big man, okay. you know, from the jump. But then I guess Monty Williams. I guess it's not a perfect comparison because Monty sure. Williams kind of cut his minutes down, probably way more than what we should for an Anthony Davis player. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, uh, I could see fifteen. Okay. Um, 15, 15. Okay. I, I don't know if it would be that efficient, but I guess overall it might be because he, you know, he cuts, he uh, will get putbacks and things of that nature. Yeah. I think his, his jumper is going to need some more time and the pick and roll might be a little bit of a struggle. But I think overall he'll, you know, throughout the course of games, he can do things to uh, increase his efficiency as kind of like an interior dirty work guy. Yeah, that would put him at, I mean, what, like 14 and 10 or 15 and 10 would be like a, a – Vucevic or uh, Enos Cantor, kind of Gortat kind of guy, not making a not making a huge impact, but but, but helping a, out. But a good rookie year. Yeah, it, it seemed like in summer league he was he was doing fine. Definitely wasn't the most impressive, but uh, didn't do anything that scared me or anything like that. It seemed like he got a lot of double teams. Um, probably more double teams than I would expect in a summer league. Yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think. 
I'm, he's not going to get that many double teams in the regular season, um, but I think he, he got a good amount in Summer League. Um, were you able to catch any of the Sun Summer League? I was, and I, I definitely agree with the observations too. And I think uh, having Devin Booker out there as a, you know, a high high powered <laughs> offense, uh, you know, definitely a little different than summer summer league yeah, for absolutely. sure. I think, uh, yeah, I know. I wouldn't be surprised though if DeAndre Ayton, you know, uh, surprise like you know doesn't um, play at the level that I'm kind of like pointing towards. I just think uh, people get like really excited about guys as a rookie. You know, and um, I, I think he'll be a, like a very good overall player as he, you know, as he progresses. But I just think like the rookie season, a lot of guys are net negatives that people think are gonna, you know, be just straight up phenomenal coming right out of the gate. But I, I think he'll still be a good rookie. I just don't know if it's like a a winning basketball player, key, like second best player on a team. I don't think that's gonna be the case. So I mean, he could surprise me and do better, but. You know, I just don't think the supporting cast necessarily helps this case. Yeah, absolutely. I I hear a lot of people talk about him not playing to his potential as far as effort goes. Um, and effort seems to be something that, like, as someone that, you know, I'm not like an NBA scout or anything like that, so it's really hard for me to gauge someone's effort um, and kind of their potential. But I, I just hear that, like, I don't know, I feel like I've heard from so many people that he just doesn't, always give 100% or he feels like he's he's giving 100% but it's really not his mm-hmm. full capability kind of like a boogie cousins at times um what are your thoughts on that well i guess overall if uh, we have to we should probably ask him did the $100,000 clear before the season <laughs> or is it been cleared before i probably wouldn't try too hard either but yeah. I mean, I, can, I, mean I, can yeah. tell, I can tell you're, you're uh, north of Tucson there. I, can definitely... <laughs> I, uh, I think overall, um, I, I do think, um, you know, the effort is definitely, I, that's something I noticed. I, I started watching quite a bit of his film overall, but, you know, it, it's kind of like a, a thing that seems to be a complaint about some guys, and then it's like two years down the line, it's like, wait, oh, that's just something he did at, like, Kentucky or whatever, right, and right. then it's not even a thing that I remember being a complaint, you know? It's like, so it could have been just a thing where he's like, you know, no, ever he kind of thinks he's going to be number one overall. He's, you know, coming to a, a team, uh, you know, college basketball, and it's kind of like, you know, what I'm, get, I'm getting my numbers, you know, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, I mean, I, I, it's something to watch for sure. Yeah. But I also, you know, it's kind of something you don't really know until you know. And I could totally see it being a case of like, you know, college star, you know, doesn't necessarily care at college, but could care in NBA. Yeah, I, I think that's a lot. I think you made a good point. I think a lot of guys are like that. I think college guys have to learn how to work in the NBA. So I mean, you see a lot of guys like that who don't come in in the best of shape, don't come in ready to play. Um, they look like they're they're slacking off. Um, they get into the league, they get around veteran guys who know how to play, who know how to work. They go off season with those guys, they learn how to work, how an NBA season goes. Um, I think there's a lot of NBA guys that are like that. So hopefully, you know, he gets in there, he gets around some good veteran guys. Uh, the off season is, you know, probably be the most important thing because he'll be able to get around some guys that, that admire his game but know he needs the work. And hopefully he's receptive to that. Definitely. And I think Tyson Chandler is 
probably one of the best veterans that you can have to, mm-hmm. to fill that sort of mentorship role. Because, you know, things that he's done in his career, especially with, with Dallas, that's how he uh, helped him win a title was, you know, through that uh, that effort and being a, a guy who really just does things so well within the flow of the game and things that don't show up in the box score. So I, I think that probably – I hope he listens to him for sure because that, that's a very good voice to have in your corner. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh... – <laughs> You made the joke about it earlier, the hundred grand. Uh, I'm just curious, as someone that's living in Arizona right now, uh, how is that whole situation? I mean, I know this is, a, I know we talk about pro basketball, but I mean, pro basketball is a result of college most of the time. How is the Sean Miller situation? Is it is it still like highly talked about? Is it still a big deal in Arizona and everything, or is it kind of just what? swept under the rug at this point and kind of moved on? I think it's kind of like a, a moved on type thing where, okay. uh, you know, it's one of those hot topics that, you know, everyone, you know, obviously in, in Tempe, we're, we're going to fire off a lot of jokes and stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, because right. you, know, you got to get them off when you can. But, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things where it needs another development for it to, you know, really hit the news cycle again and people to, to care about it. Because also, I'm sure at some point, some people are like, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't necessarily actually face penalties or get in trouble. So, we kind of have to. It's like a believe it when you see it type sort sort of thing. An investigation's nice, but at the end of the day, an investigation is an investigation until someone you know is penalized. Absolutely. I was shocked that he kept his job. Just, just yeah, like, it was really, really sounded really bad. Like yeah, like when that came out, I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, is he even going to finish the year? Okay, yeah. oh wow, he's right. he's coaching. It's just so happened that their year ended because of Buffalo. But okay, right, man. If if DeAndre Ayton couldn't. Couldn't lead his team past Buffalo. I, I don't know. I know. I know. Again, it's college basketball. Yeah. It's totally different. Totally it's a different, different game. Everything's different. But uh, it it seems it seems scary to yeah, me that it, he couldn't yeah. rally his team it's, to beat Buffalo. But yeah. Something Suns fans have told me though is that Shaquille O'Neal. I don't remember the exact situation, but at LSU he uh, underachieved. Or uh, his team, LSU team, lost against the bad team early in tournament. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's something that I get told. So, I mean, <laughs> could be Shaq. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, all right. Well, uh, well, I appreciate it, brother. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and wrap up here. Um, again, I'll give you a moment to kind of just shout yourself so that uh, our listeners can follow you because it sounds like you got some great stuff. Uh, Sounds like you got a bunch of articles out there, and I know that our listeners would love to, to check on those. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, if you're into more so Pacers basketball, I, I have my uh, Pacers content on uh, indianasportscoverage.com and also the thecocomotribune.com. And um, for more Suns content, um, it's going to be on NBA Analysis Network. And from future going forward, my Pacers stuff is going to be on uh, NBA Analysis Network as well. So it's kind of a... A complicated uh, <laughs> summary, but um, I'm kind of moving all my uh, my chips to the to the new website, basically. All right, my man. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, if you uh, ever want to chat some basketball, we are here, and we'd love to have you back anytime. Absolutely. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll catch you in the future for some Pacers as well. Um, Definitely. We're, we're going to be talking about some Pacers. We'll, since, we so. will be talking about Pacers for uh, sure. I appreciate it. And, uh, of course, for all of our listeners out there, you can uh, always find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, 
uh, Google Play, Play and Alexa. Play, Alexa. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can check us out. 48 Minutes Network. Uh, this has been Kyle Brandon and Ben Brown. We appreciate you. Thanks again, Grant. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on. I always love going on a podcast. Yeah, awesome, absolutely. Man. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Take care, buddy.